Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Happy Father's Day, guardians, mothers, parents, granddads. Grandparents, I realize that in my statements today, they are, they pertain to not only me and all of us, males, dads, but also to each one of you. I don't know how this will sound, but over the years, some of the best fathers have been a mother. That come out okay? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it was, it was not their choosing. Sometimes it was their uh, profile for a multitude of reasons. So some of those disclaimers that, uh, and I even think if uh, you have not been married and uh, you're a sister or brother, son or daughter in the house, I hope that you can jot down what will be my three major points in a few minutes. Um, and stew on them. Again, for all of us. All of us. So thankful for every parent and what you mean in your retail care. Sometimes that includes grandchildren and in the body of Christ. Well, I'm going to go back to Chronicles and um, Birthday Boy is going to move back one chapter. 2 Chronicles 26, 27, 28. And if you've memorized it, you get a Snickers bar. Um, But we'll have to pre-order. We'll have to, yeah. I want to go back to this. There was just such rich um, gold mining from 27 and 28. And not being a spiritual fruitcake, I hope, is like the Lord reminded me reminded me a combination of my reading and Holy Spirit took me one chapter earlier, 2 Chronicles 26, 27, and 28. Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Related Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Jotham, the grandfather of Hezekiah. And in fact, in Hezekiah, in an early verse in chapter 29, it indicates that Hezekiah went back to his great-great-great-great-grandfather David as a sample, say model, 
of serving the Lord. And perhaps that's what some of us have done. Have done. Maybe not the first one back. Maybe not even the second one back. And maybe not even related. But you've latched on. A parental type person. Father. Mother. Guardian. Older saint. Such as the Apostle Paul was to Timothy. Second Timothy. First Timothy. My son. My son. My son. Paul owned him as a spiritual son. Sometimes you and I have been blessed to have both a natural father example, mother example, and a spiritual example. And maybe for some, it was one or the other. Maybe for some, it was a person like Paul was to Timothy, not related by DNA. Aren't you glad for the body of Christ? Amen. Second Chronicles 27. You're probably there. Second Chronicles 27. I see men as trees. There we go. 27. We're going to quickly go through a few verses in these three chapters. Jotham. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Well, verse 2. So he was 25 when he became king. And he uh, went night-night at uh, 41. Verse 2. Would you like to read this? Confess this with me. Verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father Uzziah had done. Although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. But still the people acted corruptly. But not him. Okay. Okay. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Turn the page. When it said he did not enter, I think the, uh, the context there is uh, when he wasn't supposed to into the uh, holy place. Jotham is one of the good guys. Okay, 28. Let's take a look at his son. And I think for 28, we read some of this last week. Take a look at verse 1. Jotham's son, he died at 41. His son Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not, read this, he did not what? He did not do. If you brought the Bible, you can circle, circle, he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. I picked out verse 22, Michael. Verse 22 of this chapter, a very sad verse. A parallel teachable moment for all of us. We would do the opposite of this. Verse 22 of what Ahaz did. Read this with me. Now, in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. I think I read a version prepping this week that said, in the time of his distress, he did not call upon the Lord. And although the chapters uh, has volumes about his negative character, closing the doors of the house of God, kind of not my point today, it's there. Let's go to our third, Jotham's grandson, 
Hezekiah. At the end of 28, Ahaz rested with his fathers. And they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. 29, verse 1. Don't let this be tedious. I, 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 would, I would suggest that you, in these next, between Sundays, read these three chapters in the NIV, English, whatever, whatever version. Read them in the King James if that's all you've got. It's all good. Read these three chapters very slowly. 29, verse 1. Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the grandson of Jotham, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2. You can read this one with me also. Ready? And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, we read this as we open today. In the first year, the first month, he opened the doors. I want to intentionally, on purpose, emphasize that language. He, on the first day, he opened. Opened. 29 is a glorious chapter. I think 30 talks about him keeping the Passover that had not been kept. But perhaps that's another day. Get used to these three names. Jotham, Ahaz, delete. Hezekiah, model. Not perfect kings, but they sought to find and model and practice an example of father left. In Hezekiah, I think it was 175 years since David. But he tracked back and found one. Although his father did not even seek the Lord when things went 9-1-1. As contemporary believers, you and I are very used to, in good or bad times, have a 9-1-1 prayer. Amen? Amen? Amen. No judgment. Judgment-free zone here for, for that. We all lift up our voice, as David did, and cry out to the Lord, help! But not what Ahaz did. Hezekiah growing up, his father passing when he was 25, and he became king, had to make some choices. 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 Who am I going to follow? Who am I going to model? And I want to say today, I pray for you. I'm sorry if the retail parents in your life, maybe the retail mother or father or both, were not spirit-filled biblical examples. What am I talking about? I'm talking about receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ's birth, his life, his ministry, his betrayal, his death, the crucifixion. On the third day, he rose, and on the 40th day, he was ascended, where he lives and reigns today to hear our prayers. That's the gospel. The good news, the good news of you and I accepting Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, let's keep that in mind as we talk about what is a parallel with the house of God, prayers, and the things of God in the story of these three generations. 
Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. I would like to center my time with you today on three points. Number one, as parents, say parents, grandparents, fathers, happy Father's Day, as single parents, mother, father, grandparents, guardian, I think of, think of Sandra bringing those children over the years while, you know, liver transplants and working and gathering them as a mother uh, hen would her chicks. She was, she was the focal point, is the focal point, the guardian, leader, functioning as a godly parent in those lives. Proud of her. Number one, three points. Number one, I'm going to recommend and teach to you and I today that we pray, think, act, and conduct ourselves generational versus personal. Is that settling into you this morning? Huh? Seeing some of you today, it makes me so happy to see you sitting with a grandchild or a grandmother, sitting with a parent. That just makes me so happy. Grace is sowing seed this week in grandchildren and the shells that came over yesterday continuing to sow seed. Amen. Is that a big 10-4? I know we don't say that because we don't have CBs anymore. We have cell towers. I think as brothers, as sons of God, as males, I Maybe this isn't for you, but I've heard about it happening in good, Holy Ghost-filled brothers of Christ that sometimes we are almost focused on what is right in front of us in life, starting with our vocation and job. Yes, loving the Lord, getting our Bible reading in, praying without ceasing, rejoicing evermore, loving God, loving the house of God, loving our alpha groups and men's groups, and the brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. But, you know, TGIF, right? Well, Saturday's coming, whatever. And it's not that sisters are not prone to get in that same focus. Not necessarily blinders, but sometimes, as the parable Christ taught, the cares, the frustrations, the to-do list, money issues, Sometimes relationships that have gone sour, the things of earth are, are strangely dim, but we're still not looking into his wonderful face, bogging down. So I, I thought today my first point of three would be, I want to just come alongside and say, remind you, let's pray, think, act, conduct ourselves generationally versus personally. Proverbs says, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And if you go beyond property, lands, or money, obviously what we can leave our grandchildren is far more beneficial than any funding or money. But our conduct, our tenderness, our faithfulness, how they observe us treating their family, is this okay today? Huh? 
I'm proud of you that practice this. I'm proud of you that see this. To think, whoa, that we're a son, we're a grandfather, we're a father, we're a husband, we're a spouse, we're a wife, we're a brother, sister in Christ. Even to those that we have in the Timothy Paul model that we haven't birthed or have shared DNA with, but we coach them, love them, disciple them, we're thinking generational. Honor generationally. Honoring our father and mother in or out of the faith they may be. But we honor them and in our prayers, in our intense prayers for their confession of faith in Christ Jesus, we stay focused and in our conduct of our kindness, how we are attentive to them, asking the Holy Spirit to reel them into faith that the circle not be broken. Generational. Generational. Not personal. Beyond personal. Generational. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then after Jacob, whoa, here come his sons and here come Jacob's grandsons, Joseph's boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. Great reading from Genesis 12 through 50. The story of a single family throughout the generations. When God called Abram to start walking to his promise, remember what he told him? You're going to have children that outnumber the stars, but everything I have planned for you, you won't see it all. Bothers me, but we won't see it all. <laughs> I can tell this is making you happy today. Just No, just tease, no. We won't see it all. And God's going to say, Abraham, after many, many years, I'm giving your descendants this land. What? You mean it's not next summer? What's going on here? We're thinking and acting and praying and studying God's word of the generational influence. I was going to bring a baton. It's a relay, not a 400 meter. Is that right? It's a relay. Jotham took the baton, handed it off to Ahaz. Ahaz, he dropped and lost that baton somewhere. When he passed away at 41 and Hezekiah became king, Hezekiah, instead of going out and looking in one of the castles or the idolatry sites, he said, I'm going to pick up the baton that King David left, one of my great, 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 great grandfathers. Are you tracking with me today? Are we back in the house today? It's not about, okay, I got this funding coming in, this, 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 this bill will fall off, this is that, cars get, cars, cars get, oh, that's right, where am I going for thanks? Thanksgiving table is sacred. Summer picnics are holy places. Occasions of birthdays, memorials, graduations. They're spiritual because you go like this. Say me. Say me. I am Christ's ambassador. I'm Christ's ambassador. But I can't stand uncle. He's a drunk. You are sober. 
aren't we thankful? Let's work on sobering uncle up with God's word and the kindness. If I'm thinking generational versus personal, not everything has to happen for me today. If I'm thinking generational, I don't just think outside the box, there isn't a box. Who has God placed in my life? In-laws. God be merciful to me, a sinner. No. When someone comes into our family, that's another potential loved one to influence for Jesus Christ. Thinking, praying, acting, generational versus personal. There is a lad here. We got nothing for them to eat. But there's a lad here. There's a lad here that has five loaves and two fishes. Who put the lunch in his hand? Who fixed him a to-go box? High odds it was mama. Here. You're going to go and be with that group of people today and maybe hear from the Messiah, maybe your cousin, maybe family's going, here, take this. And that boy, I like the word lad in the King James. That lad took what his parent had placed in his hand and surrendered it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Don't get bogged down when somebody in your extended family is unreceptive, even as a believer, or doesn't click with you. Slower traffic, move right. Put your blinker on kindly. And pass maybe a nephew, maybe an in-law, maybe a person's mother at the big table or the picnic and go on and sow the good seed where you can because we're generational, not personal. One of the joys from my torture of putting my uh, picture on Facebook was a cousin a year older than me that lives in West Virginia. And we grew up as boys. His family was a big blessing to our family. They had three children for a long time and then a fourth one. And he always made sure my father worked in his business. And they were just good to us. Good to us. And my cousin Bruce and I, till maybe like 8, 9, 10, 11, we were thick and they went to Australia and we welcomed them back when they came back. Thick. But for all these years... I occasionally wondered, wonder how Bruce is. Wouldn't you know it? Grace posts my, uh, whatever, homily on Facebook. 
And here comes Bruce saying, I like it. So then I determined, over this pandemic I have anyway, that when I speak, I want to make sure that if a person in my hearing, or who will hear it, does not know the gospel, has heard that they can be right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, for all I know, he's you know, just on target and glory, but that wasn't the testimony that I'd heard. I'm so thrilled. Now, everything that's posted, oh, I like this, I like this, I like this. And hearing the word and responding, not because it's from me, but because he is in my circle of evangelism. Can you say amen? I can't depend on anyone else, even in West Virginia, to reach out to my cousin Bruce. We have something in common, a childhood that was close. That road has been paved. Now, when I'm kind, gentle, I know that I shouldn't say kind because you're not going to agree with me. But I mean, you know, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I'm not, you know, abrasive, whatever, when I give out the word and he likes it, I say, Thank you, Lord. Let the seed fall on good ground. Wherever he is in his journey to you, keep him in the palm of your hand. Do you like that today? Generational, a cousin. Not just about me. Not just about our three daughters and and ten grandchildren and each of you. Okay, you've probably written that one down by now, so I'm going to hurry. Number two, are you ready for this? Did Mike put it up? He did? Read this with me. Say yet. Say yet. I am personally responsible. You give me a thumbs up on that? Say, I am personally responsible. I'm personally responsible. As Simon writes in his epistle, to add all those wonderful virtues to my faith. I'm responsible to get my prayers in. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm responsible. I'm personally responsible to partake of the bread of life, to worship the Lord. I don't give an inch on my first point. Pray, think, act, conduct ourselves, generational versus personal. But when I realize I am personally responsible, I become poised to be a generational fisher of men. I become poised to be a generational comfort and prayer companion to my extended family and to those non-DEA brothers and sisters. Finally today, are you happy you came to Father's Day? Thanking Pastor Mike and the team for your music. Today, just a crisp, small homily that we can practice on for this week. I'm liking Chronicles. I'm not done with Chronicles. But I just want to give you a loaf today. Number three, 
find a father, find a son, so honor in each generation. You say, I already got a father. Good. I already have a son. I have a daughter. I have a mother. Makes me so happy. I'm probably, this point, 70% speaking to those who may have resources, time, talent to invest in someone not DNA connected. Love you. And I know you do that. I know you do that. Pardon the personal, not about me, but a couple of our credible sisters in the house. I think Grace has referenced this. But Jill Mag Tandy found a non-DNA future sister. Raise your hand, Tony. And I want to say... I, I, I could be adjusted later, but do it, do it kindly. I believe the largest percentage of why Tony is sitting in church today is because of Jill. Amen. Last night, Christina talked about the widow of Nain, Jesus. He. He, he looked like everyone else at this casket, but then Christina said, he saw. <laughs> Jill saw Tony. Saw Tony. That's what I'm talking about. She found a spiritual offspring, and Tony found a spiritual mentor, and you know what the bonus is? We get Carl. And without Carl, Vernon would have no prayer life. <laughs> Just teasing. I love these bookends. So precious to me. And Lisa, of course. Tony's daughter with us today. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, Andrew first findeth his own brother... Simon Peter, and brought him to Christ. Hallelujah for DNA. <laughs> but Philip was sitting in a chariot when an Ethiopian needed help. He climbed in his chariot. He says, what hinders me from being baptized? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Your family, whether you birthed them or married them, when you married their parent, you married a family. You say, Brother Mulkey, I thought you were going to bring us good news today. I am bringing you good news. <laughs> this isn't planned. John and Velma Mall, their only child, Kathy Grace Mall. Honest. This isn't humor. They were so precious in giving since 1942. They didn't do anything to deserve me. 
marrying their only daughter. She's such a combination of both of them. Their affection and love to me. We were perhaps polar opposites except for Christ. We had Christ in common. Christ in common, but that's about it growing up. My father was not in ministry, um, vocational ministry. He taught the same class for 25 years, but they were in vocational ministry. Our family lived week by week. I think my father went to Ven Oak Market and bought groceries every day and then cooked my mama, a war bride from Australia in 1944 with 2,200 war brides, including her sister, the mother of Bruce, who's in West Virginia. Never had a driver's license. Not after a bus ran over her mother in Australia. She would never get a license, never drive. Never had a W-2 from payroll. She could get on the local transit blindfolded, go from here to Hillsboro, go to a cleaner's, come back, stop in Gresham somewhere, and be home by dark. She knew the transit system. Our families were opposite, except for Christ. There was that equal yoke. I think my father may have been acquainted with John and Velma when they would come by our Southern California church and speak on their way to convention. My pastor, one pastor for my one lifetime at 19 said, you need to go north and preach. I'll write to the superintendent. What's his name? He said, Reverend John Mall. And uh, we were at Carol's eating and he leaned his head back and laughed. He said, who knows? You may meet and marry Kathy Mall. You know why he laughed? He knew opposites don't necessarily attract. He thought, how is this boy? I've raised him. He loves God, other side of the tracks. He's going to have a royal wedding like Hallmark? I don't mean to be corny. I don't mean to be corny. But the way John and Velma Mall provided for me. Fifteen years that John preceded Velma in heaven, not being a cornball, and I'm not boasting anything of me. I thought the singular way I could honor Grace's father, honor my second father, is to serve and love and be tender and patient, tender and patient with a mother-in-law that as she continued to age, ended up on the way to church a few months before glory, I said, Mama, what's the name of your child? She said, Kathy. I said, what's the name of your oldest grandchild? She said, I don't know. What's the name of your youngest grandchild? She said, Christina. I said, what's my name? She said, you're my son-in-law. I said, I sure am. Don't you love Jesus today? 
I'm asking you to take a fresh look at connections, stepkids, stepparents, extended family. Find a father and love him. Find a child. Find a mother and love her. Generational versus personal. Find a son. Find a father. Extend yourself. Sow some good sermon on the Mount seed. Oh, I said, I don't mean that. I mean, continue. Say continue. 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 Continue to sow that good sermon on the Mount seed. 